On this episode, I'm joined by Kendra, Onika, and Nicole, all co-founders of HR Versus Racism. They joined me on this heartfelt episode that's near and dear to my heart because we talked about the community and destination they've built to help create safe spaces for processing the complex topic of racism. And they use a 3C framework uh, that includes building competence, building confidence, and building courage. We explore the HR versus racism origin story and how the team has created a platform for healing, unpacking, and most importantly, driving anti-racism action and change. Ladies, welcome to Humanly Possible. Thank you so much for joining. We had a spirited (laughs) discussion (laughs) before we joined this call, so I'm so excited to have you all on. Uh, Your energy together is just phenomenal, so I cannot wait to share that with the audience. Uh, So we're going to just start with introductions. So um, on this episode, we have Kendra, Onika, and Nicole from HR versus Racism. Kendra, I'll start with you. Uh, uh, Tell us who you are and what makes you human. Thanks so much, Angela. We're super excited to be here with you. Uh, Let's see, who am I? That's a loaded question. There's a lot to this this space here. Um, (laughs) I'd say professionally, I uh, have been working in change management and culture work for the majority of my career. And I'm now in a communications role, really focused on connecting people and other humans in our workplace. And I'd say the thing that makes me human is really caring deeply about what goes on in other people's minds and really loving being able to take other people's perspectives and think through that and work through that. And it it really helps me to um, use my imagination and help people feel more comfortable and, and confident with what they've got going on inside here, which can sometimes be, you know, trouble, you know, tricky. So that's what makes me human. Thanks for asking, Angela. Onika, you want to go next? Sure. Thanks, Kendra. So first of all, Angela, thank you so much for having us all. It's an amazing question. What makes me human? I am a mother. I'm a wife. I am a colleague. I'm a team member. I'm a family member. And a, a good portion of my career has really been in the talent and people space. So if you think of everything from learning to change to OD and OE, it has always been about the people and the heartbeat aspect of business, which I've always been drawn to. And a lot of that time has really been in learning. And so I've had the opportunity to take that focus, that energy, and literally apply it across all the different spaces and organizations I've been honored to be a part of. Um, At the end of the day, I think what makes me human is, and I'll I'll use a quote from like my favorite book, one of my favorite books by William Young, who wrote The Shack. And in it, we're called beautiful messes. And Hmm. so I think that that's probably the most true and accurate way to think about us as individuals, um, we're beautiful messes. I know that I am. And so the opportunity is always when we're working with, with clients or executives or leaders or in this space as we are trying to chart a new course and a new future for HR, it's how do we continue to show up and be the voice for the heartbeats in the room? 
and to be the ones to call the question and say, but what about the people? So I would think that would sum it up for me. Nicole, what about you? Yeah, I always like to introduce myself through a design thinking introduction, which is, uh, what's your superpower? And mine is connecting the dots. Um, And I think that started uh, with my liberal arts degree, you know, looking across different discipline. And then um, by being an expat and living, you know, my, my slight accent is from Germany. So I was born and raised in Germany and I've lived in the U.S. now for about 17 years. So I think that that helps me connect dots across cultures. Um, And then having worked in various areas in the HR function. So I started my career in HR, then at Accenture consulted to HR, and then became an entrepreneur and now a community leader. Um, So connecting the dots between different ways of enabling the HR function. And then lastly, five years ago, I discovered design thinking. Uh, and was blown away um, by its empathy focus and its potential for human resources. And that's when I started integrating that uh, into HR and and my offering and founding the HR Hackathon Alliance and and so forth. Um, And so that leads me to what makes me human through that practice of design thinking. I think I have deepened my empathy skills, Um, really putting myself in the shoes of whomever we are designing for. And that can be in the work life or at home. You know, I think it's made me a better partner, a better friend, um, a better family member, a better cat mom. (laughs) So um, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. That's wonderful. Well, um, again, thank you all for joining. I know you as a collective group have been working on some really disruptive, and I think in the best way possible, uh, disruptive work in HR, which is really what we're focused on this season, which is um, how we could do things differently. Uh, So uh, we'll start with you, Onika. Tell us a little bit about HR versus racism and why, what it is, and why this is such an important movement right now. Yeah, Angela's great. You know, it's very difficult for me to decouple the work that we're doing from the three of us as individuals and 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 what we brought to this space. At the end of the day, it's about relationship and it's about connectivity and it's about healing. And so for us, we all came into this time together, this journey that we're now walking hand in hand, really from past experiences that brought us together. Nicole and I, as well as Kendra, we had the opportunity to work Uh, at Accenture in management consulting in the throes of it, literally on the front lines with clients, helping them to solve, you know, a myriad number of people issues, needs uh, as part of, you know, broad transformations. And so our our, our paths had crossed, uh, you know, I think probably the earliest for Nicole and I, we were doing work around onboarding experiences and how do we create a point of view that's strategic that we can, you know, help the organization take it to market And we were thinking about onboarding experiences, gosh, I want to say more than 10, 12 years ago before it was a thing. (laughs) You know, at the time we were, we were trying to figure out how do we name this thing? How, what do we call it? How do we, how do we get good ideation around it? And so that started our relationship. Uh, Kendra was there as well, uh, you know, in the neighborhood, but I didn't know where she lived yet at the time, but we were all there (laughs) together. 
And even as our careers took us in different directions, we stayed connected. And so probably a couple of years ago, as I was doing some independent consulting, knew that Nicole had, had hung out her shingle, so to speak, and we committed to stay connected you know, to just share and understand what we were seeing, what we were experiencing, whether that was from an entrepreneur perspective or where there were opportunities. And we always said, you know, if there's an opportunity to partner together, let's find it. And so last year, you know, we had committed even I'd say 2019 to stay connected on a quarterly basis. And fast forward, the world turns upside down, right? Mm -hmm. And we all know, we can all probably remember where we were last year earlier, you know, a little bit earlier, believe it or not, it's been more than a year uh, when literally everything shut down. And so we got really intentional about spending time and connecting and sharing what we were hearing and seeing and feeling most importantly. Yeah. And literally this time last year, as things were happening with George Floyd in the nation and there, there was just this rumble that became a groundswell. George Floyd happened and the video heard around the world went up hmm. and I was literally, you know, sort of just, you know, re reconciling everything that I was hearing and seeing and got a, a, probably a three or four word email from Nicole that simply said, are you okay? And I said to her, I said, you know, I can't tell you how much this email means to me because out of everyone that I know in my professional network, you're the only one who reached out. Hmm. And so we, we committed to have a conversation and I'm trying to think, you know, it's, it's, a, it's all a blur because we, we cried all meetings. So I can't remember if we cried at that one, but it was just the reality of the pain and the loss and wondering what was going on. And our conversation actually became one of healing. She got an opportunity to hear my perspective, you know, what I saw, what it felt like, and I got a chance to hear hers. And so, you know, quickly that conversation became, hey, you know, let's connect with Kendra. This is a great time. We're, we're all on this journey together. And we were transparent. I'll be honest with you, Angela. We had some hard conversations about what it's like for Nicole sitting in her seat. You know, how, how, do, we, how do people, how, how do, you know, how do people deal with shame, with guilt? you know, mm. with things that they don't necessarily know how or why they inherited. And, you know, what do we do with, you know, truth that may be unheard or unspoken? How do we bring all of this together and reconcile? And out of that came, A, the realization that we are all a part of this community together from an HR perspective. And the reality of it is for us to change anything, it's got to start with the internal healing and the hard work that we all knew that we were doing. And so it became, how do we find ways to create this experience for and with others? Uh, the reality of it is when you think about racism, when you think about any of these atrocities, the reality of it is it hits you different when there is relationship and there are people that you love or you, that you are in community with that it's impacting. It's, it's, it's different. That's the reality mm -hmm. of it. And so we said the only way to really do that is to get people to be willing in safe and what we call, you know, very safe and very consecrated spaces to heal and to ask the questions that are hard and that are awkward, to deal with the emotions um, that don't make sense and give people permission to unpack that. And there's no shame, there's no condemnation, there are no stupid questions, there is no guilt, it is a purpose to heal. 
and we started to find ways and to say, can we put resources, can we put interactions and experiences together so that people can get just some of what we've been able to grow together over the last year. And so out of that, HR versus racism was, was born, literally. And it was the desire and the realization, you know, we, you know, Kendra sits in change, I sit in change and learning. So much of what we do overlaps across the people capabilities. And the reality of it is, if, if policy and process were enough, right, to get people to change how they see people who are different, it would have worked yeah. already. The reality of it is these are heart issues. And so how do we give people safe and sacred spaces to unpack heart issues so that they can heal? Because then you can take that healing into your workspace. You can take mm -hmm. it into how you do the work that you do. You can take it into the meetings where you are challenging a system or an organization or an ecosystem that, is, that has bias or needs to revisit how they think about people in general but you have to have done that work first. In the absence of that work, it becomes more of an exercise that we've already seen and that's not been effective. So it's a little bit about how we got started. Nicole, do you wanna to add to that? I know you have uh, some background and passion and I know all of that energy with Onika and, and Kendra just culminated together, it sounds like. The perfect storm of passion and need for change. Yeah, and Onika always has such a beautiful way of um, sharing our origin story. So thank you for that. Um, building on what she said, so there was also thinking for me around, um, there isn't really a space for HR professionals to come together, learn and process and come up with action. Yes, they can do it. They can do individual work. And they should, everybody should, right? Yes, they can do work within their organizations, but sometimes there needs to be a space to commune and process with people outside of your organization um, in, in a very, in a safe but brave space. And I didn't, I don't think there are any spaces like that. You know, maybe there are now more, but when we found it, HR versus racism start, you know, it started with the website, actually started with me putting together the resources that I found helpful in my own healing that I thought could help HR people get started. And I actually got really good feedback. And some people even said, you know, even if you stopped here, this would be enough. This doesn't even exist. And I'm like, well, that's great. I'm glad this resonates, but I think we need to do more and we should be doing more. Right. And so, fast forward everything Onika just said. But so I, I think there's a real opportunity and a, and a need um, for HR. And I know we're going to dig into this a little deeper, but just to cite a recent, recent um, Burson Academy study where he conducted research with 3,500 HR professionals asking them, I think, about 20 or 30 HR competencies, you know, and how proficient they felt in them. And DEI was literally the laggard. Not surprisingly, because anybody like me who's grown up in HR and has been in HR for so long, unless you worked in DEI, you, we were not trained in this as a competency, right? But I think where we are at now, this has to be a core competency of everybody in HR. So how do we get them there? 
um, is the question. And so HR versus racism was, was, was a way to get us there. So really about building space, uh, kind of putting it in the disruption, I think, is the bringing to the forefront the DE&I competency. Because what I've noticed is a lot of companies are hiring heads of DNI, heads of DE&I. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, when you look at some of the requirements, it's like, must have 10 years of experience. Uh, and, you know, I've always thought, you know, first of all, you really need to bake this work into the fabric of your organization. And HR certainly has a hand in helping to change behaviors and build the values into the company and all of that. So just an, an interesting observation that rather than, you know, really adding this competency to kind of HR's toolkit, you know, we've decided to source these unicorn people who exist out there and who have all this DEI experience when really like people in this room who've had change experience, right? Around behavior change and design thinking. Those are the kinds of people you want to really drive any kind of transformation, including combating things like uh, uh, systemic and systematic racism. Yeah, and, and that's such a good point. And I think that leads to, you know, what should that mean for HR? And to your point, I, I too believe it should be built into each of our talent processes. And that's mm -hmm. actually we're working through uh, through that um Kendra's going to talk about that a little bit, what we're doing about that. Um, really dissect each of our HR processes, audit them almost for bias and DI and anti-racism, uh, and then rebuild them to your point about disruption, right? Re literally, we might need to take apart some of our key processes, policies, and programs and reimagine them with that lens, right? So I think that's key. And then the framework actually that's come that's built on the competence piece that I've sort of started playing around with is what I call the three C framework. Mm -hmm. um, so it's competence, confidence, and courage. So it, we talked about the competence piece, right? Mm -hmm. And I bet we, we know there's a competence gap right now, but once we build the competence, that will drive and build our confidence as HR leaders to have these discussions inside our organizations with our leaders to drive the change that needs to be driven. And then ultimately that will embolden us to be courageous, meaning to disrupt what needs to be disrupted, right? So from competence begets confidence begets courage. So that's how I started to think about it a little bit. I'd love to jump in, you know, Angela, you hit the, you hit the nail on the head. You know, these are parts of the conversation that, that happened for us when it's the three of us around one of the things that we noticed first off, you, you know, if you think back to last year, literally you would see rolling lists of, of DEI leaders, you know, appointed, onboarded, announced across uh, the marketplace. And one of the first things we all said is, is A, is this person equipped with the team and the resources and the funding to actually mm -hmm. drive the level of improvement that's going to be necessary. That was the first thing. The second thing we, we realized and we knew because of the spaces that we sit in is the reality of it is when you're talking about true DEI transformation, that is a marathon. It is not a sprint. And I think a lot of groups and with the best of intentions, I am sure, wanted to be able to move the needle. But something is complex and all of the tentacles that Nicole was just talking about into every process, into 
you know, leadership and how they think about it. DEI is not an HR issue. It's a board issue, right? Mm. It's an executive leadership team issue. It is an engineering issue. It is a business development issue. It is not just a people issue. And the reality of it is it takes a lot of work and it's, it's not easy work. It's important work. It's critical work, but it's intentional and it needs to be thoughtful and it needs to be both strategic and practical. And so that's one of the things that we found, you know, that it is awesome that organizations are now seeing the criticality of having DEI capability. But the reality of it is, unless you are equipping these unicorns with all of the tools and all of the <laughs> mind share and thought leadership that they need, I, I think that in some instances, we'll start to see, you know, an exodus of the unicorns because it's hard work and one person can't do it. And then the second piece, Cultural transformation, that is DEI all day. And so where are the change strategists and the change thought leaders that are literally in lockstep and walking arm in arm with these DEI leaders and helping them understand that cultural transformation is amazing. It is it is the right thing to do, but it takes thought, intent, and, a, and an aggressive desire and mandate to focus on it. And we know that many organizations, even at the most senior level, right, you do have churn in those top roles every two to three years. That focus and that commitment around diversity and equity and equality and inclusion, that's not a two or three year journey. It, it, it is literally for the lifespan of the organization because when you stop focusing on it, 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 it tends to, to not continue to keep the momentum. So that, that what you just mentioned is spot on. And that's why we wanted to embed it, you know, at all different levels, all different layers and across all of the, the people adjacent roles. That's why mm -hmm. it's HR versus racism. It's not, it's not change versus racism. It's not learning versus racism or talent. It's really everybody across this ecosystem and how they can help do their part. So that's important. Kendra, do you have anything to add after what you've heard? I know we kind of went from origin story of HR racism to I think really the the importance around this work, but also how these how this space and this community that you all have created is moving the needle. Uh, Kendra, any anything else from you that you wanted to add? Yeah, absolutely. We're we're really honored and and grateful to be able to be working on this, like we've shared. And one of the the key, you know pieces of this work is really being able to come together and like Nicole shared earlier, reimagine what these core structures can look like, what they should feel like, what they should be so that they can actually create, create real change. And so we have uh, four hackathons that we're in the process of planning over the course of this summer that will bring together folks from talent acquisition will be our first hackathon where we focus in on the key problems and pain points that we're seeing with how TA can become a force for good in the fight against racism and what those structures and processes need to be reimagined. The second hackathon that we'll do is focused on talent management and thinking about people mobility and all of the, the the feedback and for performance management processes that need to be looked at with a really critical eye to become aware of what structures are in place that we may or may not have even known 
were were racist and 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 able and we're really looking to be able to dismantle those and break stuff. I know when we were prepping for this, Angela, you said well, we're looking to break stuff. We want to break some stuff in these hackathons <laughs> and then bring up put the pieces back back together in a way that makes sense and that actually create real change. And so the third hackathon that we'll focus on is in compensation and benefits. And then the fourth one will be really focused on learning and development. And so we're we're doing a lot of research right now and um, in this phase of really getting deep into what the pain points are so that when we come together as a team, as a group, as folks who really want to be a part of this force for good, uh, so that we can be really focused and specific on what those problems are so that we can then bring our beautiful minds together to, to figure out what changes need to happen. So that's, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm super excited about being able to be a part of and, and really driving with, with, this, with this team and this group. Um, we're a small but mighty team. And I feel like <laughs> when we all come together and put our beautiful minds together, like there's just, and superpowers together, there's nothing that, you know, can, can stop us on, on the journey to really becoming more of a force for good. So that's one of the things I'm really excited about. I love it. That, that's phenomenal. I mean, the, the energy around that is so, it's more than inspirational. You know, it is, you are actualizing the points of exclusivity in the system, right? Um, you know, you're looking at the entire employee life cycle and you're saying, where are there opportunities to be exclusive and how do we break that stuff? I think I used another word last time, but <laughs> how do we break that uh, and reimagine it um, to strip out the the bias? Um, I think this is also, you know, we, we, we call ourselves people leaders or, you know, uh, people people centric, but, you know, our brains kind of work in a primal way. <laughs> we have to kind of account for the generations of maybe one person's brain uh, and some bias. And then that just saying, that's how we've done things. That's how we've done things. And it just never stopped and no one's ever questioned it. So, um, so I'll kind of bounce this question back to Nicole. Uh, how do you think, or how would you like HR to change as a result of HR versus racism? I think it goes back to the framework that I mentioned and the last word of those three C's, which is courage. I think, I think I would love to see a function that has truly moved from the backstage, from being a cost center <laughs> to the front stage and a business enabler and being anti-racist and embracing DEI principles is, is a core piece of that. And for them to really step into that courage to dismantle, and I use a statistic I use a lot, you know, 65% of the HR function is white and female. And by being that homogenous, that in itself has created the system, right? We we have been unwittingly, maybe or wittingly, and, and I'm a white HR lady, so I, I can say it. Uh, we have been part of creating the system and continuing to enable that system. 
So now it's time for us to disrupt the system, and that requires courage. I'm not naive to think that that's easy. That does require courage. That requires, it starts with self-examination mm -hmm. of your own identity. Who are you as a white woman in HR? What's the privilege and the power or lack thereof that comes with that? And then from there, what do you do about that? What do you do about that? So that's that's my my hope and what I would give everybody on their way. Yeah, I think this is a, an exercise of you have to center and then decenter yourself. It's it's kind of a weird mix of the two. I right? love that. <laughs> yes, you have to mm -hmm. first look inwards and, and and do that examination, but then you need to decenter yourself and say, okay, I it's not about me. Let me figure out what I can do, and so. So, it's so hard for humans to do. And so the fact that you all are creating spaces for this to just physically take ourselves out of the traditional system that we're all working in, I think is so key. Because we're in it day in and day out, nine to five, right? We're in the system. We're Whether we're contributing to it or challenging it, we're experiencing it. And I think, Nicole, back to your point of you have to be with other people <laughs> to you know, decenter yourself and look around, uh, I think is, is a key part of your model here. Yeah. And it's community, right? And I found, so I found that with design thinking, which is such a new and quite frankly, maybe scary method for HR, right? I'm not a designer. I don't know how to do this. So I found through the HR Hackathon Alliance that community really has helped people to get over that barrier. And I feel it's similar to the work we are doing. Right. So there might be apprehension, there might be fear, there might be guilt, there might be trauma. Mm. Right. And so there is an aspect of you needing to process and heal yourself, but sometimes you can get really stuck and paralyzed. And that's when it's, you know, and we saw that in our microcosm, the three of us together, I know how much it has, has helped me to heal, you know, to even realize and those guys are going to laugh about that again because they remember initially I, I didn't even think I needed to heal as a white woman. I said, okay, so you guys are going to heal. So we're going to create spaces for our black HR professionals, right? To heal. And we just need to get over it and do it. And they're like, mm -mm, you need to heal too. And so, you know, those just changes of totally different perspectives are like powerful in this work. And you, you need that. You know, right now, and I know Kendra maybe is going to talk about that a little bit to the other things that we're doing. One is we have a Mighty Networks online community. And we just had an impromptu, one of our members uh, impromptu said, you know, I'm reading um, How to Be an Anti-Racist by uh, Ibram X. Kendi. And I'm really struggling to digest it. You know, and I suggested, well, maybe I started reading it last summer and I really had a hard time processing it as well by myself. So maybe we'll every weekend, we'll just go chapter by chapter uh, and just, you know, share our reflections here. And so that's what we did, you know, so it's a way to process, process things in community that way as well. And then we also have some toolkits and things and Kendra can share a little bit more how, uh, what other great things we're doing and how people can get involved. Yeah, absolutely. And I will just say one other thing. Um, around 
the, the fear that might be living inside of people to even be able to talk about racism at work. I know that that's something that I've struggled with my entire career. And it took last summer, me literally sitting at my desk working away and seeing protests of, of peaceful protesters marching up and been down the street right in front of me. And my kids looking at me, not doing something or saying something about what was going on with George Floyd and all of the, you know, the movement from last summer. And I think that up until last summer, I was afraid to talk about racism with anyone other than my mom or, you know, sometimes the kids, but certainly not at work. I always wanted to be a part of the solution at work because that's where I'm contributing my gifts in this, in this world. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was always afraid because I thought that it would, it would cost me my job if I came across as the angry black woman always talking about racism and this and that and so I just kept quiet and even so much so and I'm I'm not proud of this I you know over the course of my career up until last summer I've even mentored other black people in my workspace to just keep quiet about it because that's how you get through that's how you navigate the system. And that's how, you know, if you just smile and nod, even when you see things in the workplace that aren't right, you smile and nod and that's how you get through. That's not right. And I don't want my children to see me looking out the window, sitting on the sideline, not doing something and not saying something because that's just, that's not how change is gonna happen. And so that's one, another one of the, the main reasons why this this work has has really, meant so much to me because it's given me a way to find my voice and use it for good. And I think that that's another one of the reasons why the community that we're building is, is so important because it can give people a way to ask those silly questions. They're not silly. They're real. If they're a question, they're, they're real. And, and it's important to ask rather than just keep silent. Because I think that's really, that's how racism thrives. And that's, that's, that's anti to what we're trying to do. So um, what we're really excited about being able to do with this work is in addition to the community and being able to find your voice and, and work, work with other people to you know, really build competency from a DEI perspective and and work together to think through things. We also have um, uh, the website that Nicole mentioned that has some templates and toolkits that we've just launched. One is um, on journey of awakening and really helping people within their own selves and from like a team and organizational perspective, really help folks to um, think through and reflect and and reimagine the ways that we operate and communicate and work with one another. Um, and so we've created a workbook that will help teams 
leaders and teams do that um, in their organizations. We've also just launched an allyship toolkit, which is going to be um, a crowdsourced uh, toolkit where we're really asking folks to, you know, add in those resources, those those TED talks, those you know, podcast, NPR, whatever it is that's helped you along your journey to become an ally. And, and, and we'd love to, you know, be able to, you know, have that toolkit, like live on and people can access it whenever they want, add to it, use it, and it to become a better, better ally. Um, so those are some of the other things that we're, we're up to this summer. And um, yeah, just, just really, really grateful to be on this team and able to do this work now. That's wonderful. We're all giving hearts to each other here. I love it. And this is heart work, right? This is hard work and heart work. I love, I love that term. I think Nicole introduced that to me. Um, but no, that's, that's an Onika. That's an Onika original. Yes. <laughs> well, Onika, let's, let's kind of end with you. Any other, um, so we talked about how people can get involved, Kendra. So thank you for um, letting us know kind of some of the things you're up to. But anything else that folks can do as they're listening, other than uh, joining the um, the community, anything else that people can do to get involved with your efforts? Yeah, yeah. wow. Thank you. It, you know, at the end of the day, we, and you've uh, hopefully, I think, not just you, Angela, but everybody that gets an opportunity to listen to this podcast understands the connective tissue is really in the community and it's it's in building those relationships that i think are really important outside of the workplace that you're in you know having the ability to to share and and ask questions and solve problems it makes us all better and so, you know, we, we've worked really hard to harness that. And the reality of it is, while we might have stood up the Mighty Networks, the reality of it is, it is a community in a neighborhood for everyone, right? It's, it's as much us thinking about content that is, is important as much as it is about people seeding the community with what has worked well for them. It's a place to come to, to get, you know, additional perspectives around thought or concerns that you have or language, right? We're starting mm -hmm. to talk about the importance of language. We're doing things like defining allyship in a very new and different way. And that's the, it's the safe place to unpack that. Uh, you know, one of the other things, and we talked a little bit about, you know, kicking this off last year, and we talked about everything that we're doing going forward. I look back also at the opportunities we've had over the last few months around, you know, Nicole shepherding, you know, one of our events called Dear White HR Ladies and bringing to, to the front, you know, the critical questions and putting the mirror up and saying, okay, here are opportunities we have to get better. You know, when you look into that mirror, what do you see, right, as potential gatekeepers around everything from succession to performance to hiring? Uh, to all of these areas that are critical. And out of that came, and that's why I love the community, it is organic. There are the things that we have planned, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. as much comes out of our interactions with the community as anything that we have planned. And so coming out of the kickoff, we had 
the DOIHR Ladies event planned and scheduled, but we also had members of the community literally chiming in real time and saying, but what about, you know, people of color and where is our place and our space to heal? And out mm -hmm. of that, we had the literally, you know, real time, what sprung up was a Dear Black HR Heroes companion event mm -hmm. that was enriching and healing and did we cry? Whew. It was just an opportunity because if you think about it, if you are a person of color in HR, you are having to field and address and identify your own trauma, your own concerns, your own needs, your own impacts as a person within that organization. And then you're also responsible for the heartbeats of that organization and shepherding them through the employee experience. And so hearing what that's like for people of color to navigate this space was powerful and enriching. And so that's the goodness that comes out of this. Everything that we have planned is awesome. And we want people to come join, sign up. You know, this is a place where your voice is heard and it's recognized and, and we support it and nurture it. But it's as much about what I believe will continue to come out of it organically. And, and that's where I think the magic happens. And it's not easy, but it is it is the it is the right work that, that we're all committed to doing. So thank you for having us. This has been good. Thank you all for joining. Uh, phenomenal origin story. Uh, you all are phenomenal human beings. And uh, I, I just think you're redefining a next generation of HR and, and people leaders. Uh, so, you know, keep up the great work. And we will see a change. I think with this grassroots, organic groundswell um, that you all are building, I think we're going to, you're going to have a huge impact on this work and this movement. So thank you for your time, your energy. Thanks for doing the hard work. And um, we will make sure as a part of this uh, episode to post, uh, you know, the link to the website, you know, how to sign up and join the community. And then, um, you know, we'll, we'll make sure to, to post anything upcoming from, from this community as well. And you can follow us on hashtag HR versus racism. Awesome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Nicole, Kendra, Onika. Thank you for your, your time and your energy around this work. And um, I'm sure we'll have you back soon. I would love to have you back in a few months to kind of touch base and see how things are going. So thank you. Awesome. All. No worries. Thank okay. you, Angela. Thank you.